Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Art Inside the Craft podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Glazier, and today's episode is with a singer-songwriter based right here in Iowa, Dan Tedesco. I interviewed Dan for my video series right after his album, American Darkness, dropped in 2019. And since our last conversation, he's created the revolutionary Dan Tedesco Music Channel. I wanted to check back in with Dan to see how he's been managing the pandemic and get more information on how the music channel functions. We discuss each of those topics as well as new music and possibly reimagining some older albums in a newer and fresh way. Here is my interview with Dan Tedesco. Okay, great. So I wanted to get you today on the show, Dan, to uh, catch up from where we left off with with our last interview that we did in June, which is available on AmericanaHighways.org and um, also on AmericanaHighways.org is the album review that I did for you for the last album, American Darkness. So just kind of give us a, a Cliff Notes introduction into who you are. And um, I don't think I actually have ever asked you this, but were you born and raised here in Iowa or what's kind of your... What's your story here? <laughs> no, I I um I actually was born in the far west suburb outside of Chicago by the name of St. Charles, Illinois. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I I grew up there and lived there basically until college. And I left Illinois when I turned eighteen to go to uh, Arizona State, and I was a jazz performance major on guitar. Oh wow. Um, yeah. A lot of people don't know. Don't I didn't know, know about that. that. It's not really the style of music that I play, although it, it definitely still informs a lot of what I do. But sure, yeah, I was I was heavy into jazz for a good like six or seven years, um, right towards the end of junior high, going into high school, and then up into the first couple of years of college. Um, and then yeah, so I went to, to Arizona State, and I was there for four years, and then I moved out to California. And lived in LA for what ended up being. I originally went just for a couple of weeks to check it out, and it turned into being there for I want to say it was just over eighteen months, somewhere between a year and a half to two years. Mm, interesting. Yeah, and then I left LA and came back to Chicago and lived in the city proper um, for about seven years, and then went to Nashville for a year, and then came here to Iowa. Wow. So I've been I've been in Des Moines now since 2014, but yeah, I've I've bounced around I've bounced around quite a bit from from the time I was 18 until really like my early 30s. Yeah, a lot of traveling. <laughs> yeah, I've seen I've been to a lot of the country. <laughs> um, and so um, when like when we like I said when we met up we kind of were discussing a lot of uh, the new album at that time which was American Darkness. Um, and so with that album, that puts you up to what, five albums now? Yeah, I think it's five, five or five full lengths. And then there's two EPs. And then I've also got something like three, three or four singles out as well. Okay. So after we, um, finished up our interview and took off, how did the rest of 2019 go, uh, with your album release and playing out and stuff like that? Yeah, we when did do you remember exactly when we did our it was, interview? It was June, I think. Yeah, I think it was it might have been I don't know if it was right before because the, the album release came out the date was May 10th, but I know I started the tour at Woolies on June 1st, and I was trying to remember if I if I was with you before or after the tour actually started. 
I think it was it shortly was, right before because I you might have even been dropping off albums uh, down at the Analog Vault. So yeah, that that sounds about right. I, my guess is it was probably somewhere right in that that first week or two of June. Yeah, because um, cool. I do remember dropping those albums off. You're right about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the rest of 2019, uh, that that album was was really well received. Um, I was I was lucky enough to get some airplay in like stations like the Current up in Minneapolis and. Actually, another another really cool station out um, in the San, the like the San Jose, San Francisco area. Oh, cool! Um, but I, I got and I got some really nice reviews written up for it, and and I'll, and I mean, almost more importantly than any of that stuff, I've gotten really really nice uh, feedback from a lot of fans that knew me before that record, and then also a lot of new new fans that came uh, into my world because of that album. Yeah. So it was, and, and the shows were fun. I did. Uh, the the kickoff night of the tour was at Woolies, and I did that. It was sort of a it was a full band show, but it was, it was sort of a an augmented version of a band. It, it wasn't your traditional sort of like bass guitar, electric guitar, keyboards, all, all the traditional kind of a setup. It was myself on acoustic, and then I had um, two female vocalists and then a drummer. Mm. And wow. we did it without bass, and I, and the drums were something where I I tried to strip them down to being almost more like a um, a certain feel or tone versus an actual like timekeeping sure. element because I, I tend to play very rhythmic because I, I spend so much time playing solo. Yeah, <laughs> and so when I do play with drummers, it's always a little bit of um, a little bit of a struggle to find the right relationship that that I that I'm happy with because I I don't like to give up too much of what it is that I do, but I also like the impact of the drums. Right. So. In, that that setting was a was an interesting show, and I'd like to maybe pursue some more things like that at some point when we get back to a place where we can do more of that uh, regularly again. Yeah. Um, but that show was cool, and and then things rolled out from there. I mean, I went from most of the country, uh, from from the west to the to the east. I had some dates. I'm trying to think what I I'm just to remember what I did at the end of 2019. I know I was around the Midwest quite a bit. I know I went out to California and I'm trying to remember what else happened there. I, I think I know at the beginning of 2020, I was supposed to go out to the East coast and do sort of a, a leg out in that region. And it just never, never happened. I mean, yeah. I got, I got to the Southeast. I got down to, to Nashville and Charlotte and the, the Atlanta area. And then, the dates that were supposed to be out in the Northeast were in, I think in, they were in March and they were all canceled. So hmm. that the unfortunate thing with that tour is the first, you know, three or well, the first six months or so things were going really well. I had, I had a, a cool thing planned for the spring of 2019 here in the Midwest where I was going to do, I think it was like five or six full band shows to kind of mark coming up to the year, the year, um, uh, with the year mark of uh of american darkness's release and again those those were all supposed to be in april and may and they all had to be um postponed, postponed. or yeah. at this point basically canceled because now what happened with that record unfortunately was I, everything everything got shut down in the middle of its of its run yeah so i only got a solid six months or so and then i released a new ep called well a new ep at the time called who knows how long this will last which came out in january of 2020 mm. and that was actually well it still is very much a companion piece to american darkness so the idea there was the record came out in the middle of 2019 
And then I put that EP out right around the six month mark to sort of uh, reignite things and just con- continue on that whole um, project. Yeah. And, you know, a month and a half after that came out or two months after that came out, everything, everything fell apart. Yeah. So unfortunately, some of the momentum on the, the tail end of that, that whole release just got, got demolished. But you know, what can you do? Like we, yeah. this has been the most, you know, there's nothing you can, there was no way of planning for that. So. Right. And, and once COVID kind of hit, um, how quickly it's interesting because everybody's kind of, you know, at that point we didn't really know kind of what was happening. Um, yeah. so once that hit, how quickly did you transition to kind of finding a different alternate way to make a, make a living basically? With yeah. The music? I'll, I'll back up. I'll back up to right before where that, where that question kicks in because I, I have kind of an interesting story about even just how things how quickly things happened and how quickly they changed. Yeah. So a year ago from, I mean, we're talking right now at the very, very beginning of March, a year ago on what was leap year, 229 of, of uh, 2020, I was outside of Chicago. I had a really great show there. And then I came back to Iowa and I played with um, another Midwest songwriter uh, who you, you probably would know, um, Chicago farmer. Oh yeah, and definitely. He, yeah, he and I played in Davenport at the Redstone Room. And I remember talking to the talent buyer there that night. And I was like, you know, are you guys, this was now the first week of March. So basically a year ago from right now, it was like March 6th. Ah. And I was like, are you guys, you know, nervous about things at all coming up? Like, have you had many people cancel? Like, and she's like, no, not really. And I was like, well, I've, I've been, you know, thinking that maybe I need to reschedule some travel dates. Like, and I remember asking her, like, do you think from a talent buyer's perspective, I would get in trouble for doing that? And she's like, well, I think, you know, what's going on would probably fall under like, you know, the, the act of God clause, sure. just like <laughs> weather or something like that. I was like, yeah, I just, I don't want to be overreacting, but I just feel like it doesn't really look like I should be maybe going out to like the East coast and doing some of this stuff and traveling on, on planes. I mean, of course you got to remember at the time, nobody knew very much about what was going on. So they were pretty bold moves that you made that was just, you know, yeah. now people might not be as concerned about getting on a plane, but at that point, just going outside was, was considered risky and <laughs> yeah. a package off your step or something. So, right. so I, I was like, yeah, so I got a hold of the venue, a couple of the venues out East and they were like, well, you're the, you're the first person that's really brought it up to us to be, you know, actually want to reschedule or cancel, which if you want to, we totally understand, but you know, we're just going to see how things go. And so I, I did make the call to change those dates. And literally two days later from that phone call, they were all shut down. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it, it happened. And then people that people that I knew out in those areas that were like, man, I don't know. Are you overreacting? A week later, they're like, no, you weren't overreacting at all. This is insane. <laughs> right. So it, it was an interesting time, those that, that very end of February, very beginning of March, we're just trying to figure out what to do. And that was right around when like Pearl Jam had canceled their whole their whole spring tour. And really, really big events were getting were getting nixed, but smaller venues were feeling like maybe they would still be okay. And then everything just collapsed. Yeah. Um, so to your to go back to your original question. So that happened end of February, beginning of March. I I didn't go right into live streaming. I sort of just took a break for those couple of those few weeks in March and started to think about, you know, what could I do? What, what, what are the different things that are options now? You know, everybody started buying up all of the live streaming cams for doing work at home. You couldn't, you couldn't buy like the cam, the cam links to connect the DSLR camera to your computer. Oh, Everything yeah. was gone. <laughs> wow. So I was able to use my phone of course, but I have some other gear that would have at the time I was like, well, I'd like to do this 
really full on if I can from, from like just a, an audio perspective and a, and a video perspective, but I couldn't get the gear. So weeks went by and we got towards the end of March. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to do a few of these live streams on my phone. I'll put them up on Facebook and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just, I just need to play at that point. It was just like, I just, I needed to do something that resembled performing and playing. I didn't know what it would feel like doing a live stream. If there would be any of that, kind of energy that you feel being on stage at all because of course you're in the sterile room by yourself yeah um but the first one people were really excited for it and it got it got a really great response and it was awesome to hear from people and just to, to communicate with everyone um even if it was just through you know comments and and i did actually feel i mean it was nothing like playing a real show but it did feel good enough that i was like you know i'm gonna do some more of these so i did like four in one week like every other night i just this was right at the very end of March going into the beginning of April and people were really supportive. Like they, they were sending money, which was, which was unbelievable. And I got the idea to wrap um, my discography up into a download package that I charged because everybody was in this financial stress at that point. Um, or I should say financial distress. And I, uh, I decided to wrap it up into a, a package and just price it at whatever anybody could pay. And I got, got a little plug-in on my website where someone could just choose. I, I could set it up so I could accept whatever. So people, some people paid ten or fifteen dollars. A lot of people paid fifty to a hundred dollars for it. It was, it was, wow. it was, it was a wonderful thing for both of us. I mean, it was very supportive for me, and it gave someone, you know, at that time, my, my full catalog. That's crazy. You were um, kind of that fast to uh, to come up with something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, that that was happening definitely within. I mean, probably a month of everything shutting down. If yeah. not even sooner. And that's kind of something that uh, that I'm not sure that a lot of people understand about musicians like yourself. And we've talked about this uh, before is it's everybody kind of thinks it's like, oh, you're just out touring. You're making money. And it's not really like that. It's a it's a job and you really have to put a lot into it. So, oh, yeah, man. Well, even the touring thing, I mean, just because you're out playing doesn't mean you're always making money. I mean, there's. Right. There's different elements of it. I mean, there's some things, some things you do for the classic quote unquote, get, you get great exposure, which I mean, there, there yeah. is something to be said for that, but I mean, there's, there's some, I guess you could say strategic things that happen with shows where sometimes you don't make money, but you are developing or extending or expanding relationships, whether it be, you know, with an audience or even with, you know, promoters or something or people that, you know, maybe down the road, it's, it's a long-term, these are long-term relationships that you're, that you're, you know, working towards. So, right. you know, so the, even being on tours, it's not always, you know, the, the, the rosy picture that people have in their minds. And, and, I, and that's why I made that documentary, which I, I don't know if you ever got to see called chasing the lightning, which sort of shows very much the grassroots blue collar work and job that you know, being an independent musician is when you go out there. Yeah. And this um, pandemic is kind of, um, I think one of the good things about it is it's really highlighted um, how important it is for the support that artists and venues oh, both what, need, you know? 100%. And I think I even, I think I said something almost verbatim to what you just said in, a, in an interview with Iowa Public Radio about it, where mm. I was like, yeah, you know, people, people I think have always understood that the arts are difficult, that musicians don't make a lot of money. But like you said, they, they see they're out touring, they're playing. They don't realize that. It is so, from a business perspective, it is so undiversified. <laughs> yes. We're like, you're, you're, you're all, uh, it is all shows or nothing. And you can hear people who are, are much more successful than I am. And they'll say, 
Yeah, you know, I, I sat down when COVID hit and realized and looked at like you know my my income statements, and like ninety five percent of my income was from touring and from shows. Oh yeah, without and these a doubt. are these are people that, that have you know like millions of streams on Spotify, things where you would think maybe they're still making some money off these other other streams or other um other points of uh, other of sources, revenue and yeah. yeah other sources, and they're really not. So, COVID has definitely been. It has definitely laid those things bare to the rest of the world to see. Mm-hmm. And I, I I, do think maybe that on some level people have become not just more aware, but it's given them a chance to to connect a little bit more. I don't want to say empathize because I'm not musicians aren't looking for you to feel bad for them or anything. Right. But just to have an honest perspective of what's really going on there, which might affect how you choose to support going forward, knowing like, OK, this is how this works how it really works yeah i mean like and, the, the average guy gets laid off you know maybe gets unemployment or something like that whereas with the musician it's just kind of there's no money coming in <laughs> it's crazy man um and i mean there have been some things in this last year by way of unemployment with with like where they've opened up other tiers of unemployment right to people that do things in like the gig economy and like into like sole proprietors and independent contractors that under normal circumstances would never have that open to them. And that's, right. that has been a helpful thing for, for a lot of artists over the last year on a, on a, it's a very basic level, but I mean, it's, it's helped with, I mean, everything helps. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so it, it definitely COVID was one of those things where I've, I've always been bothered by the fact that so much weight is put on just playing all the time. And I don't mean, Obviously, COVID is nothing you would ever plan for. But even if you got sick where you couldn't play for a few months or, you know, you got you you broke your arm or something happened where you physically couldn't play, there is nothing to fix to help with that. Right. You know, there, there isn't like disability. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there isn't. And there isn't um, because there are really very powerful streams of income that that are, are outside of the performance spectrum. There's just nothing else going on. I mean, unless you have some significant publishing happening where you're getting like quarterly statements on like royalties from, from some publishing um, work. There's, there's not much else. Yeah. So because that's always bothered me, I've always been thinking about what, what else could I develop? Is there some other way to make this work so that it takes not only takes the weight off of, of that, that percentage of so much being on, on playing, but also just gives me a way to connect with people better so that it's people that, they, and, and gives people a way to, to connect with me better and also to support me in some way. If they can't, if they're not people that like to go to shows or they can't get out to shows, you're kind of cutting those people off from being a part of your world right. because they can't come to see a concert, but they might still be someone who really wants to be connected to what you're doing. So, you know, with, with COVID going on and, and the forced break, it gave me an opportunity that I don't think I would ever give it myself to slow down and stop and really think about those different elements. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that, that kind of leads us into what you were saying, asked me before about, you know, what, what did you, how quickly did you start thinking about other streams of, of, uh, income and other ways to, to make things work? Well, you know, this went from the live streams to packaging my discography, uh, for that, you know, pay whatever you want, um, arrangement. And then, you know, uh, the next step was to, to, to really sit down and, and think deeply about this music channel concept, which I'd, I'd had sitting around for a long time. I mean, I, I originally made a hacked together version of it 
um, back in 2011. And then I put it to bed because it just wasn't working the right way. And there were some things about it I needed to figure out. But I mean, I, I thought about it regularly ever since then. Hmm. Um, and I just never quite had the time to sit down and really focus on it because there were always shows the promoter thing. It just, it just never stopped. So yeah, always something else to do. <laughs> yeah. So when, and so the thing about COVID was not only did it give me the break to stop and really finally, you know, do what I needed to do to get that rolling and get it developed, but it also slowed my audience down to where it gave me a chance to really get that in front of people hmm. because there weren't other things going on like sports. I mean, just everything was stopped. So you had an unprecedented amount of attention with people to be able to present something like that too. Right. So there were a lot of things that lined up where I was like, look, if I'm ever going to do this, this, this has to be like, this is the time I, I will kick myself forever for not taking, taking this opportunity to, to put it out there and at least just see what happens. Hmm. So, you know, I got it, I got things dialed in, I started putting it all together and working up everything from the functionality of it to the, how, what I wanted it to look like and the branding ideas and the aesthetic of it all, um, right around the end of May, early June and chose to launch it at the beginning of July. And that, uh, that was what happened. So, I mean, to, you know, if you go back in this timeline again, like things shut down middle of March, live streaming for me started end of March, beginning of April the package of my discography started middle of April. And by beginning of July, the channel was, was live. So it all basically happened within, you know, around three and a half months, three, three and a half months. And can you kind of explain a little bit just exactly what, uh, what the music channel is and what you're offering on that? Yeah. So the, the music channel, um, which is, I guess, officially titled the dance desk music channel. And I refer to it as the DTMC. Um, uh, is sort of a multimedia broadcast of sorts that is delivered by weekly email. So it, it borrows from a lot of different uh, sources of, of inspiration. I mean, the, the weekly email concept is something that a lot of journalists and writers have been using for some time to, to connect with their audience. Yeah. Definitely. Where it's almost like a, like a blog, like a blog post that goes out each week linking to, to different things. Yeah. And so I, I took that approach and then used the linking elements of like, just hyperlinks of, from text in the blog to, to drive people out to audio to listen to and to video to listen to. Mm. And, um, and then I've, I'm also embedding artwork and things like that in each email. So there's an element of it that, you know, I use all unlisted private links on YouTube and SoundCloud right now. Oh, and uh, so every, everything's, you know, not seen by the public, but when you get the emails, the, it's, it links you straight to everything. So you click, you click the link to listen to a song and within a couple seconds, you're listening to it. Hmm. And the cool thing with SoundCloud is that you can also set it up and arrange to allow people to download. So you can download any of the music as well. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, and I, I took my, my, the video portion of it, um, is primarily focused on what I call my, my from a house in Iowa sessions, which basically grew out of the live streaming that started last spring mm. and all those live streams from back over the, everything's archived on there. So you can, you can go into the playlist for the 2020 from a house in Iowa sessions, and you can go back and watch everything from March and April of last year, all the way through the end of the year. Wow. And then there's a 2021 season now that has kicked off that you know, started in January. That's on there as well. Hmm. Um, and those come out every Monday night along with the, with the broadcast. So it's, it's a weekly series that comes out Mondays at eight central. 
and there's always there's always a new installment of from a house in Iowa on there and um, and then the other other portions of content that I'm releasing which again is is a, is a whole other other kind of concept and topic of conversation so what, what I've done as far as releasing my music now with the channel and this was one of the biggest things sort of getting at it backwards but this was one of the things that really got me thinking about the channel in the first place years ago I didn't like how records were coming out and being forgotten about within a year or two or within a, within a week or two because of the way the content is just pummeled upon people oh it's constantly and pushed it's, out yeah <laughs> yeah so I thought to myself like look I love getting records I mean I love the artwork I love the liner notes I love all those pieces but I don't like the timing of how that's released anymore because i just don't think it's relevant to how people consume now people don't sit down with i mean i'm not when i say this i'm not talking about the niche of people that are very into vinyl and that sit down and, and, and pour over records they're still out there of course <laughs> yep. i'm talking about i'm it, one <laughs> in, in, well i mean to some extent i am too but i i'm talking about the the, the greater majority of right people. sure um which is again it worked when you talk about that niche that you and i fit into you can say it sadly, however you want to refer to it. It is what it <laughs> it's is, but small. It's, a small, it's a small percentage of that greater percentage or that greater audience. So for me as a musician, like I want to be connecting with the greater audience and also still have something that, that appeals to the people who want to go to that level. So um, what I started to think about was like, instead of releasing an album all at once, what if I broke those pieces, the, the artwork, the liner notes, um, you know, the, and the tracks themselves, what if I broke those out and put them out on like a timed release, the way that like a TV show or something, you know, would come out mm, where it's all, it's all, it's all produced up front, of course, but then they stay trickle it out over time. Right. So, and then it builds an, it builds an aggregate as time goes by. So what I, what I did with my first EP on the music channel, which was something called dopamine. And this, this started with day one on the channel back in July, I had, um, the, the, the album artwork, but then I also worked with some different artists to do individual track art for each song. So each month, so once a month, I would I would roll out a new song off the off the EP, and then throughout that month, there would be different content each week that sort of tied back into that track. Hmm. So it might be some production notes on how it was made. There might be some things talking about the inspiration behind the song. Right. There might be a, a video of, of a performance of the track. Um, there might be, I got into doing this thing where I had, had people who were on the channel with me, like write in their thought, their, their thoughts about each song. And I would post those at the end and call it a voice from the crowd. And you could, you could oh, hear nice. like what other people were taking from it. And so all of that would happen each month with each song. And then as the months would go by, you know, you would have a playlist where that first song will be revealed the next month. The second song will be revealed. Now you have those two songs to listen to. Hmm. And then the third month, the third song without come out. So now you have three songs to listen to. So you could listen to each one or you could listen to it little by little as the album basically was built right in front of you. Wow. So then at the end of the, the it was a six track uh, EP. So in December, you know, the last track came out and that would, that completed the release. So, when you talk about releasing a new EP, like it started in July and it ended in December. Wow. Yeah. And all of that content came along with it. And again, you can, and then, you know, that's, that's how I'm releasing records now. So I'm doing another one at the moment. That's a live album that I, I uh, pulled from a, a live broadcast on studio one with IPR back in uh, 2018 with Idle public radio. Hmm. And it turned out really, really well. I was super happy with how I played on it. It was just, even when it, when it 
was finished, I thought like this probably needs to be some sort of a live release at some point. Yeah. And so I, I thought this was a great time to do it. So starting in January, did the same thing. Now this one, not doing the individual tracker. I mean, there's different things with each each of these releases I'm gonna, I'm going to approach, but it's functioning in the same way where you have a song coming out each month and there's other content that comes along with each song um, to sort of embellish it and, and give more, more depth to the release much in the same way, again, that you would get from sitting down with a record and seeing all that artwork and reading the liner notes and the, the lyrics and everything. I include all the lyrics and all the releases. So it's giving you all that same content, but it's just, I feel like it's reappropriating it for how people react, how people Consume, consume and interact yeah. and, and, and relate with things in modern day, hmm. which means giving up on some things that are very emotional topics for a lot of people. And as a musician, it's not always, it's also not easy to, to maybe say like, well, I'm not going to do it the way that it's been traditionally done. And it means right. you have to think about it differently. But I also feel like you got to, you, if you're trying to communicate with an audience, you have to communicate with them the way that they communicate. Otherwise you're just sort of getting lost in the, in history. Yeah. And, so and that, let me ask you, let me ask you this real quick too. Well, not real quick because this is kind of an important point that, uh, that a lot of artists that I talk to are, are tackling as well. So with all this that you're talking about, how much of this are you doing yourself as far as um, like setting up your website, doing all those links and all that stuff? How much of that is you having to either learn those new skills or um, I guess have somebody do it for you? Well, the, I, I have help from a good friend who's a web developer that's helped me with just the build out of my website with the landing page for the channel and the subscription. Uh-huh. Um plugins and an engine that, that makes that all work uh but I, I handle the weekly broadcast just through my email client so it's really not any different than i mean i designed the email template and everything to look the right way i, I built all the art up in photoshop myself <laughs> yeah um i do i do all the video editing for from a house in iowa it's, it's not super complicated stuff to do but i mean there are some skills involved i edited my own documentary a few years ago so i, I picked up a lot from doing that right in terms of working with uh, premiere pro but i have other friends of mine that i've brought on i mean when i say friends like in most cases I, I'm, I'm paying these people mm-hmm. some of them have helped me out at times and, and done it for almost no money or no money because they're just incredibly nice people but right. um but i we usually it is something i i, I technically hire them for yeah so I'm, i've now got someone who i'm trying to do more work with on the video side more for some promo and some music video, music video uh, work, but um, things that I, I want to have a certain look and feel to that I just, I could probably do if I wanted to spend hours doing it, but I just, I can't. And I'm happy to give somebody else the work and support them at the same time if I can afford to. So right. um, I guess kind of the point that I'm uh, pushing my audience to understand is that um, like with, you know, with you, there's not a big record label behind you who's saying, Hey Dan, here's a bunch of stuff that we're gonna do for you. <laughs> this is like oh, yeah, you no. creating and your own career to, to and be, your own, you know. Yeah, and to to go even further with that, I mean, the other big thing that I've been—it's sort of all dovetailed because I wasn't planning on doing all this home recording and production work, but with the break last year, I, I and when I was looking at putting out the channel and releasing that, that dopamine EP. I had the songs recorded as like these rough mixes that I was going to do other work with at one point. But during the break, 
I started sitting down and working on them and learning a little bit more about mixing. And I, I knew what I wanted them to sound like. And I was starting to be able to get them to sound that way. Mm. And I sent them around to some friends of mine. I was like, you know, I think this stuff actually sounds really good, but I, I don't know if it's, if I'm just saying that to myself and maybe <laughs> I should be sending this out to have someone actually mix it for me. Sure. But I really like the way it's sounding. And people wrote me back and were like, no, dude, this, this stuff sounds great. Like you, and then I, I sent it to a mastering engineer and I was like, look, man, if the guy who mastered American darkness for me, I was like, look, if you, if you think this sounds bad or there's like any, a bunch of red flags, let me know. But I, I really feel good about these mixes. Yeah. And he was like, no, this, this stuff really does sound great. Like I think you're, you're in good shape here. Hmm. And so then that came out and then I, I put one of those tracks out as a single. So outside of the channel, just on the streaming sites. And I sent it up to the current who had played uh, a track or two off American darkness and they picked one up for, for one of their uh, weekly shows. And I was like, okay, well, these guys, you know, this stuff is going toe-to-toe now with, with music that's being released on their on their station. Right. So that kind of built up my, my confidence a little bit more. And then I just started going a little bit more, more all-in with just recording here at home. And now I've got half of a new, a new record done. Hmm. Um, and I've been doing this other thing. Well, some other projects that will come out on the on the – on the channel at some point in probably the, the near future that have been just recording projects here at home as well. And it's not that I'm trying to circumvent purposefully working with other people. Part of it is that I just can't leave home. Right. <laughs> and I'm still trying to be creative and it just seems to be working out. So, and I've been, and I've been really enjoying it because again, I can hear what I'm trying to get in my head. So if, if I can learn the techniques to get there, you know, I mean, music 101 going forward is going to be like if you can if you can do it yourself, you know, it's it's a big part of what makes it work because of the, the financial equation of all of this. Right. You know, I mean, that's the other thing about you go into the studio and you spend thousands of dollars of, of money and you get this product, which sounds awesome and you're really proud of. And there's no way to make that make money realistically, <laughs> yeah. like how you how you get back an eight thousand dollar record when streaming sites are paying you three hundredths of a cent per stream sure and even a, a vinyl record then you got to spend two or three thousand bucks to get it pressed and then you have to sell x number of those just to make back the cost of the pressing not to mention the cost of the recording that's on the pressing right <laughs> well meanwhile all the people involved in that process all got paid yeah that's the thing that's crazy to me is like you paid for the studio time you paid for the record pressing time but the audience doesn't have a realistic way to give you that money back directly on that record so it's almost like music can be seen as a loss leader to right. get people to come to shows and then hopefully the, the the shows make back the cost of everything plus make a profit for you yeah yeah that's how, how how bonkers the, the business model oh, it's is insane. so so when you look at that that's why like the channel to me makes helps to level that equation out because now what i do with the channel is everything i've just talked about that's on there is available and it costs a hundred dollars a year flat for everybody Right. Yeah. That's so it great. puts everybody into, into a bit, it's $8 a month, which, you know, I know I ask for it all, all at once, which looks like a lot more money. And yeah. It's just that the way the the content's available and trickles out, I can't have somebody come on and pay 10 or $15 a month. And I didn't mention there's an archive section where there's a link in every email that takes you to the archive and everything that's been released and all the, all the back, back archive, like from house and Iowa sessions, my back catalog, like all of that's on there. So you could, in theory, if you wanted to sign up for, if I had it going for 10 or $15 a month, you could do that for one month, 
go check everything out, download a bunch of stuff, and then just cancel your membership. Yeah. And somebody else paid a hundred dollars for the same thing. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I have work. to make it a yeah, I have to make it a fair thing. People have asked me, like, why don't you do a monthly thing? That's why. Yeah. So and to me, a hundred dollars flat is not a lot of money. It is right now because people are fairly distressed still with everything economically. But sure. in normal circumstances, I don't feel like it's it's overpriced or it's, it's gouging anyone and everybody I've talked to about it. I, unless they just don't want to say it to me, no one has flat out been like, that's too expensive. They've all said like, it's a totally great deal for what you're giving. Yeah. So, so that's how it works. And you just pay that once a year and then it's, it all, it all comes to you. You don't have to go to the music channel somewhere. All it's there every Monday night at eight o'clock in your inbox, it will be there. So I right. like that element of it too, that it's not expecting people to have to go find it and you don't have to like, constantly spend money on social media ads to tell people to go to your channel they just check their email and it's there yeah that's so it's like the one it's the one form of communication that you don't have to pay for at this point so <laughs> right <laughs> so um that's yeah that's all great information about the uh the channel and what you've been up to so um i always find it interesting how uh how entrepreneurial musicians have to be and how how everyday people just don't see that side of it you know no, man. And it's, it's, it's so much more like that too, as, as in like, you know, the, even longer than I've been doing it, but the last 20 years or so, 25 years, um, it's become more and more that way just because the industry has been so decentralized. I mean, so many things, there's, there's so many pluses to it at the same time. I mean, a lot of the things that cause the same issues we're up against are what are allowing me to do all the work that I'm doing because right. of the, the technology and the accessibility of, of tools that you used to have to, have someone with a big checkbook basically give you access to. Yeah. And now you can just do it in your front room. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and it's, it's a weird thing for me to talk about with the, with the recording stuff. I mean, I'm not like a pro level mixing engineer and recording engineer with all kinds of crazy gear and knowledge and ability. Like I have mad respect for the guys that, that work on that level. It's more like, I'm the guy that knows how to build the car in my garage that I want to drive. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very focused to me and what I'm doing. And I mean, I, I don't, you know, it, it works in that capacity, but if I wanted to do something outside of that realm at some point, I would absolutely turn to someone else and be like, look, we're going to go in the studio and knock this out. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just a very area at the moment. <laughs> it, it was well, at the moment though. I wouldn't be able to do anything. I'd just be sitting at home and right. I, I would go crazy. So I, it's part of it is just me wanting to maintain creativity and keep cool. uh keep working so and and how has um see i kind of go into the with the creativity so how has songwriting been um during the lockdown has it been any different i mean do you kind of always write at home by yourself anyway yeah or? that that hasn't changed terribly i mean the fact that i've been doing more recording means i have things set up to demo stuff a little bit more aggressively than i usually do like a lot of times it's me recording into like a voice recorder app on my phone uh, and just mm -hmm. just laying down scraps of things but i have a little bit more gear set up now where i can sit down and within you know an hour i could have like a little demo put together with even some other instrumentation on it and so like fleshing out ideas and experimenting uh right off you know right off out of the gate um that's been a little bit different and i think maybe maybe i've been writing more regularly because i'm not in and out of uh my, my world here as much you know like it's the, the being in motion while it, there's a lot of things being out in the world and traveling and playing and meeting people um a lot of things that i draw inspiration from mm -hmm. 
uh, in from the, those experiences that are that's not happening right now. On the flip side of it, I'm in one stationary spot, so I, I can I can focus a little bit more on writing than. It definitely happens in, in smaller gaps, spread more, spread out more when I'm in my regular sort of schedule. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting how different artists kind of, you know, some people that I talk to are like, nah, this is my life, man. I've been doing it this way from, from the get go. So <laughs> it doesn't oh, bother yeah, I mean, me. And other people are just like, I got to get out. I got to see people. I, I need to live well, those experiences. <laughs> the, the truth about music. And this isn't, when you're again, everything's so focused with music, talking about going out and playing. But when you're talking about writing and creating it, like actually making the records and making the songs, that work is incredibly solitary. Sure. Oh yeah. So there, there's a there's totally an element of what's been going on this last year that isn't any different. To your point, <laughs> but, I mean, I, it's exactly how. But it's always been me in a room with a guitar or a piano, just working <laughs> on. Stuff. I mean, right. that, that part of it is 100% happening all the time, COVID or not. But the traveling and getting out into the world thing, I mean, there's there's a bit of a suffocation happening from that, which I definitely feel. Um, and I'm, I'm as anxious as anybody, as anybody else to have that go away. So, yeah. um, so let's um, let's go to right now. I think you have a new single coming out. Um, yeah. Tracks on fire. And, yep, and um, that's just kind of wanted to see what's coming down the pipe. You talked about the new the live album uh, that's coming out, but. Yeah, what what else is coming through? Uh, well, after, after that, the single, the Tracks on Fire single, um, that will, well, I mean, I'm just going to continue releasing the uh, the live at IPR Studio One album on the channel, which started in January, and it's an eight-song record. So that, that will be rolling out all the way into August. Mm, um, and after that, I, I'm in the middle, as I mentioned a, a few minutes ago, I'm in the middle of, finishing up what I think will probably be another another full length project of somewhere around probably 10 tracks or so I've got I've got at least half of that pretty well wrapped up at this point Great. um that I don't know if I'll have that come out this year that might be more like the top of next year just to give I did back-to-back releases on the channel um right off the bat like like the dopamine came out and then the month that was done the following month I started this live at IPR record I don't know if I want to have a little gap and maybe maybe explore some other things to give a break from new music just so that it's not so constant that I don't want to wear people out right? or de- desensitize them or myself to just putting out new music nonstop. Um, I, I think there is something to be said for having a little break and, and build a little bit of anticipation, again, for both sides of that, that myself and the audience. Um, so I, I'm still thinking about exactly what I want to do at the tail end of this year. But I do have this other project that I've been doing a little bit of work on, which is something I'm sort of calling the revisited. I don't know what I'm going to call it, revisited something or another. I haven't titled it exactly yet, but it's it's going back and reworking old songs I've put out with different arrangements. Oh, that's and interesting. Just, cause I, cause I do so much of that in a live setting Yeah. that I, I thought it'd be kind of cool to just maybe either. I don't know if I want to do it as like a, a special release throughout the year on the channel or actually do like a, maybe do a, a, a volume, different volumes of it and do like, have it be like an EP length where you do like five or six of them over five or six months, then go into something else and then maybe have volume two, like a year or two later and just have it come out that way. Hmm. Um, Cause I also do things on the channel. Like since it's every Monday night, you know, some months there's five Mondays. So that fifth Monday, I try to do something a little special. 
So I've thought about maybe releasing a track from the revisited revisited project that way. So you get three, maybe four, four of them a year, five of them a year that way, instead of doing them as a monthly focused thing. I I don't know. Those are all things I'm brainstorming on, but. So that um, those revisited ones, that would be you um, basically laying down all new tracks, completely reworking it, re-recording it, and putting it out. In- yeah, and in some cases, I've been bringing people on. Like, I have one done for a track off my first album, and I, I got it. I have somebody play on it with me that was actually on the first album with me. Oh, cool. And then I have, like, another one I've done with my buddy who played guitar with me for a long time, and he played on the original record that we redid this this particular track on, and he did, like, another lap steel part that he played on the original one so hmm. i'm trying to tie it in as with net from like a narrative perspective where i'm working if i can with people that were parts of the original projects oh nice even if it's just one person so yeah. it, it just it adds this other kind of layer to it and um and i you know so and there's all kinds of things to explore there i mean i even american darkness man like that album i had a production idea for it when we were first talking about doing that record of treating it sort of as like a with this like 1960s Columbia jazz sort of vibe in terms of the the sound of it and even instrumentation wise, like having upright bass, having like a muted trumpet. Oh, um, wow. And I thought about even doing that entire album in that way and having like the, the way that we originally released it. And then this sort of like alternate version of the entire record. Oh, that would and, cool. and then you could like a B the, and I, and the way I was looking at it is like the, the album artwork is black and white. Yeah. So I inverted that artwork and got this like black with white. It's like everything's opposite. Oh. And I thought uh-huh. it would be kind of cool to have it as almost like you could do like a double a double thing where it's like version one, version two. And um, no one, I, nobody really does that. And I guess in the traditional album cycle format, it doesn't really make sense to. But again, I'm working in this sort of uncharted territory where you can do whatever you want. Yeah. So I, I really like the freedom of like if I wanted to do that, I could just do it. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, well, you know, I mean, Sturgill Simpson just released a bunch of uh, two albums of all of his stuff done in bluegrass style. So, <laughs> yeah, know, I mean, there you go. Why so not? That's good, that's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, I mean, they're, they're all good songs, and I don't think there's any reason that you can't just redo it. I mean, sure. It's not like I'm doing it because I want it, I thought it would be better. It's more like I just always thought these songs would have an interesting uh, kind of a, they would just take on an interesting shade of their story by having that that kind of subtext you know with that style of music yeah and i've thought about doing some live stuff with bringing some of the some of those jazz elements back into what i do i mean some of the stuff i'm working on right now even kind of mashes some of those things together so if i did put something like that out with american darkness i might have a band that could then play some of those things live also which would be cool so yeah i think if you uh if you did that you would almost um it's almost like putting out new music, even though it's stuff people have already heard. It's um, oh, it totally, totally is, fresh, yeah. you know. And you might, you might actually get some new fans who <laughs> maybe well, like yeah, it, a different style. <laughs> well, that's exactly right because those songs sort of teeter between like rock and some of the Americana flavors. This would go in more of like a, a even more of like a folk sort of an almost like an alternative like jazz territories. Because yeah. I, I want to get people on these things like playing on them like open up like you know improv sections like you would in a, in a jazz arrangement and let them play in in that sort of language not where it has to be the traditional sort of sc- like scales and and you know like let them really play yeah so I, I think that there's there's some cool stuff there that would appease certainly my background and some of my interests that have not always gotten to see the light of day so yeah man that'd be really cool <laughs> 
Yeah, so there's a lot going on. I mean, the next few years, the, and again, with the pace of how things come out on the channel, it, it allows me time, you know, like just like when you drop an album, you know, again, like after, after a few weeks, it's like it kind of falls by the wayside. And then maybe a year later, you put another thing out. Like this way, things just don't really ever stop in terms of what the audience is receiving and what you're continuing to, to work on within that given project to release to them, you know, different pieces of content that are going out every week. But it also gives you this window to be working on new stuff. Just yeah. like I said, like with a TV show, it's like they're working on the next season while you're watching the current one. Right. <laughs> so you, you kind of move into that that way of thinking with the production schedule. Yeah. You know, and then then you can you it gives you the the time to to you know really focus on those different pieces. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you're doing with the music channel is really um innovative. And I've seen a lot of people put out like um that they have Patreon accounts where people can kind of but, come in and I've seen no one do anything like the music channel. But, yeah, like on, nothing on, like to that. Nothing like what you're doing at that level. I don't think it's interesting. No, the, the closest things I've seen still, if they haven't been Patreon based, which is actually what I originally thought about using until I figured out how to get around going through their system, um, which was a big part of the reason why it didn't come out sooner. Uh, I I've seen people do like what to me feels more like a fan club or like a members only thing. And that's not really what the music channel is. It's not like a exclusive. You get this because you're on the channel. It's more, this is just all my stuff. Like if you get it, you pay for it to get it or you don't. Not unlike 30 years ago, if you wanted the record, you bought the record. It's the same concept. Yeah. So it's not like this is just for people, you know, that it's like exclusive stuff. Like this is just all of my content that you just, you give me a, a flat fee for the, for the year and you just get it all. Right. It's a really simple deal when you boil it down. And then on the streaming sites, you know, I put out a single every couple months or a single off one of the projects because there is a discoverability element to the to the um to Spotify and all that that I I definitely value. And my hope is that people would hear something on there they might dig and then maybe look up more of my info and you don't have to go very far these days to stumble onto the channel and then learn about that. So, you know. Yeah, it's that's, super that's cool. That's the man. way I hope it's uh, I hope it's super successful and you know, it's coming along, man. It's been it's been more successful than I think in some ways I hoped it would at this point. I mean, I with everything people are up against financially right now, I, there's a lot of people I've heard from that are like, I'm all about this as soon as I get back to working normal. Like it's it's a lot of that stuff, which I totally understand. So, I want to thank Dan again for taking the time to talk with me about the past couple of years and what it takes to not only continue to be a musician, but constantly innovate your art in new and fresh ways. I look forward to catching him at a live show very soon. You can follow along with Dan on all social media platforms, streaming services, and at dantedesco.com. His website also has all of the information on what Dan offers with his music channel and how to get signed up. I want to thank my sponsors, PureMountainCoffee.com and Black Cat Bone Productions, which can be found on Instagram, and I would ask you to follow along to see when new episodes will be available. Until the next time, I'll see you all down the road.